Hey, we're about to start this episode. I just want to uh, make a note real quick. The internet is kind of choppy with uh, Andrew during this interview. We fix it, but uh, sometimes you hear some lag. Stick with it because the message is strong as fuck all the way till the end. It's, yeah, it's mostly just the beginning. Yeah, and so then we really hit stride. So stick with so, it. We sorry. All right, starting now, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I know that we um, we had just made a post saying that we weren't going to make any more podcast posts. <laughs> Uh, but that's just the regular stuff that we already had in the can. We feel like through seeing on the Black Window Cream community, a lot of photographers, even just on Instagram, have been dealing with this issue of the right and wrong from photojournalism when it comes to documenting the protests that have been happening all around the U.S. and now the world. Um, so we know that's an important topic. And I don't know, we thought it was cool to call our homie Andrew, who has been on the podcast before. He's worked with a ton of different news sources as well as toured we, we met obviously through Beyonce and Jay-Z's tour he's toured with B a bunch of times he's worked with the New York Times you can correct me if I'm wrong when you get on here Andrew uh, Wired Magazine a bunch of different magazine sources but so he has a good outlook of, of what it you know when you work for from the journalistic side of photographing e- live events like this the rights and wrongs and also when censoring becomes important so we're going to talk about that, and we're going to bring in Andrew right now. So, everyone, round of applause for Andrew for coming on the show. So, goddamn last minute. What's up, dog? What's up, guys? Good. Thanks for having me. I was super slow on the applause, but here it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, so, I yeah, we, we discussed it before, and I think we can... There's a few things that we can talk, but I think the most common question I've seen comes from, you know, people are sharing their content that they're capturing when they're at these... Uh, rallies and and marches and different things like that. And a lot of people are instantly commenting, hey, blur out the protesters' faces, Uh, you know, try to hide their tattoos, anything that you can do to make them um, unnoticeable so that they can't later be prosecuted or or whatever. There's a million different reasons that that they give for why you should censor out these people's faces, which it, it becomes so touchy because... In one hand, you know, you could be just photographing a tip like one of yesterday, me, Dave, Lauren, we all walked on a peaceful march, lasted for like three hours, four hours. Um, I photographed a bunch of random things and there was there was nothing illegal happening in those images. But people commented on them right away and were like, hey, you should censor these people's faces. And, and, it, and then I'm like, yeah, I, honestly, I don't think we have to because nothing bad was happening in this versus four or five days ago when people were throwing fire into cop cars and tagging cop cars and standing on it, it becomes a little bit of a different story. So when it comes for you as a photojournalist, could you kind of shed some light on maybe like some of the practices that you take when you go to shoot these events? Cause it's a little bit different when you're getting hired by an actual magazine or, or publication to go out and document this, correct? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I've been seeing this topic and question kind of coming up a lot recently and you know, both there's definitely valid points to it. Um, and everyone's got a camera now. Everyone's shooting. A lot of people are at these protests. A lot of people are, are shooting for themselves or, you know, they're, they want to document what's happening. And it's important, you know, this is, we're witnessing a lot of historic stuff kind of go down in front of us. Um, and I keep seeing the topic of, you know, Hey, if you're going to post these photos, you need to like blur these these faces of the people attending. Um, from as a photojournalist, I my position of that of these protests and kind of with anything is 
I think censorship doesn't really have a place, at least in journalism. You know, for folks who are like going out there with their cameras and they're they're just shooting for themselves and, you know, making activist art, whatever whatever they might be doing with these photos, like that's that's one thing. But you know, if you're a photojournalist out there shooting for a newspaper, shooting for a magazine, our job is to be an objective observer and when you start censoring people on either side, it just becomes very problematic and it can be lead down a very slippery slope. Um, not condoning any anything the police are doing, I think they're committing atrocities and I think that's very apparent through what you've seen come out thus far. Um, and I think, yeah, it's as far as photographing it it's you need to see the sort of unobstructed truth and if you're photographing protesters why wouldn't you or i'm sorry if you're censoring the protesters faces with that same rationale shouldn't you be censoring the police members faces so it's it's a tricky argument yeah um i feel like yeah what interests me there is it is like from your perspective uh, being hired by you know, someone like the Times or, or you know, a big publication, the same way that a journalist, like a writer, writer journalist has a code of ethics that they have to adhere to in terms of yes. playing fairness, in terms of uh, not writing bias into their, I mean, nowadays you have plenty of opinion, but uh, being a, a fair sure. uh, reporter of what's going on, there's a code of ethics you're adhering to. And then the same thing, learning from you, this, there's the same thing that a photographer has in the case of like representing faithfully what actually happened in real life. And as you were mentioning, you I want you to go into it, but you, how you guys have a limitation on how much you can edit, how much you can alter photos. Correct. Um, and you mentioned something about uh, like what you're able to do in darkroom. Could you go into that? Sure. So generally we, we follow the same ethics as a writer, except you know, our, our medium is photography. and. Part of those, that code of ethics that we all adhere to and that we are, we're all trained in is that you, you're not supposed to add or remove any pixels. And that includes blurring someone's face, that includes Photoshopping anything out, even if it's something like a sign that you might look nice in the photo that you want to image. You have to leave it there. That's, that is the, that's the reality of what you shot and like that's that's what you need to deliver um you know you can edit your photos you can sort of add a tone and attitude to them through your we call it toning but you know it's basically adjusting image you know, making it darker doing things with color but you know that we you all when you're working like that you have to work within a certain set of rules um and you know part of that you can't you can't add or remove stuff um you know if you're blurring someone's face who's to say you can't photoshop a gun in someone's hand you know it's like where do you draw the line when you're manipulating images and there's examples out there of you know there's a famous photo from kent state of right after i think the national guard shot a shot and killed a protester and the, the photographer there was a pole sticking out of the woman's head who's you know standing over a dead body and he removed that image you know this is back in back before digital photography, you know, and he did it with darkroom techniques, but, you know, he received a lot of criticism because, you know, you've, you've changed the image, you've changed the meaning of it. So, 
you know, we have to sort of remain, you know, as unbiased as we can, at least enter these scenes, you know, kind of with a not picking sides, even though, you know, sometimes the sides, you know, sometimes the, the events themselves seem to kind of present a bias on their own, you know, like if you come see, come to a scene of a cop beating up someone, you know, it's, you kind of have to, you, you photograph, but you, journalist will photograph the moments, photograph the moment happening, photograph after, talk to people, and, you know, not only just through the photos, but through proper captioning and reporting, you know, really flesh out what has happened in that scene. And you know, right. that's, that's the difference between, you know, a photojournalist and someone who's just walking around with a camera and pointing the camera at things that they, that they think are, you know, these action shots, like, you know, it's obvious, like there's these striking images of people setting cop cars on fire and like people getting maced in the face. But, you know, it's, you need a sort of greater context to kind of explain how those moments came to be. Right. Like, I think it's the same thing as before you continue, should we have him go into the, is there a way you could go into the crib? Cause every once in a while we're getting this, like, we're losing you because it'll glitch out so much on your Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. And I want to kill it. Let like me, uh, we'll pick up from a question. Yeah, let's pause. You're right. I'm glad. Yeah, you give that. me a second. Let me uh, find a better connection. Like we could get through it, but I know there's like gas where you're saying some really dope shit, and yeah, it just I'm, cuts out on Zoom. Yeah, and I'm I don't want to. Like, I was I thinking of recapping what he said. Muddy connection. Yeah, recap it, and I want to talk to him about um, tactics of ways that you can shoot, like how he was talking about hands and details from protesting because I want to get into t- ways that you can go about that. Right. So sure. at some point we have to tailor back and, and separate what a photojournalist does from what the people who we're talking to do. Right. Because right. not everyone has an obligation to go out there as a photojournalist. Sure. So I think we get into intention. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah like I think that's, that's why. It's, is Thanks. this uh, connection better? I, I I think so. Hopefully. Looks, so, okay, looks cool. fine. Um, let me know where you want me to sort you, you, of. You probably. I can also like re restart that last sort of question. No, I think that was good. I think. I mean, it, do, you, do you know what you're going to say to recap it? I was going to recap just the coloring part because it was it was like pretty much all glitched to that to that part. S- say that, but also note that we just had Andrew go inside. He was. We'll just note that he's inside okay. the spot. I'll, yeah. Here, I'll say I'll say that, and then and you say the, that yeah. this is a recap. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can now see that Andrew is inside his house. He's calling in from the middle of bumfuck nowhere. And I don't know where you are, honestly, but he's on a smoky mountains of North Carolina. He's in the smoky mountains. So his internet is not, not super fire. So sorry for those, those glitches earlier. Uh, let's recap what, what he just said, just to to clarify what he said. I think, I think a lot of it was clear, but basically when I asked him about, um, the, the, the framework of what he has to live within when he's coloring is that it's, it's limited to, you know, contrast and, and exposure and that he's able to put to like tonality and different like um, an attitude in the photos but you have to stay within those boundaries because um, anything further is warping the image and, and he mentioned the same thing as uh, if you're able to blur someone's face what saves you from putting uh, you know an object into someone's hand and right. it's it's a slippery slope in that case so that's what he was talking about and and I think the thing I wanted to come off that was like you were saying, uh, with the objective perspective, it's like you have being a photojournalist perspective is like accurately depicting and portraying the event that actually happened. And I feel like it's kind of comparable mm-hmm. to if you go, listen to a podcast or uh, a news interview or something and you take out someone's quote, but you leave out what he said before he or she said before that. 
and you take the quote out of context, mm-hmm. the meaning completely changes. And part yes. of the part of your duty in that case is to accurately represent what. So if it's like someone on a, if for example, if someone like beat someone up and then set a cop on car on fire, but you see the cop there, right? And you take a picture of the cop, you don't understand why the cop is sitting there or whatever. Yeah, like and, the cop yeah. came forward because the car is on fire and now right. the cop is in the interaction and that's where that came from. But if you just have one photo of a cop on the ground with someone, you're immediately thinking like the cops came over and started that, where they right. could have came, and vice versa. You could have a person talking to a police officer and during that discussion, someone hits them over the head with a cone and there's so much hostile or hostility in that mix already because they're having a, a verbal argument or whatever it may be. And all of a sudden a fight breaks out and you have no idea where that comes from. But sometimes you may have an opportunity to catch the person who's thrown the cone or you see the cone in the air before it happens. And that sparks the argument. But whatever it is, I think that the main thing here is like separating because a lot of people that are listening to this, as we said before, are not photojournalists. I would assume majority of people that are going out and capturing these events, I've even seen it from people saying like, Hey, I'm a hobbyist photographer. I have my camera. I love it. My friend is putting out a protest. I want to go and and document it. They gave me permission to come and document it. I did. And I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing when I'm uploading these photos. So when it comes to what what are your opinions and, uh, and ways people maybe should consider or think about when they're going out and capturing Um, these events from the side of, I just want to personally archive this and share it to create awareness on my page. Um, Whether that happens to be during a a peaceful protest or it happens to be during a, you know, one of the anarchic, like rioting and and everything like that, where you happen to capture some of those movements. What what would you suggest to photographers in that case? I mean, first of all, you know, and everyone's got a camera these days and, you know, it's a great time to sort of pick up photography. It's a living in pretty wild and turbulent times. Um, as far as, you know, folks who are going out there and photographing these protests, you know, the first question is kind of asking yourself, like, why, why do you want to photograph this and sort of setting some sort of intention with why you're there? You know, are you just trying to, trying to take pictures of action shots, like whatever. Um, I feel like is, you know, as long as you're not trying to, I, I, I think there's a lot of fake news going around these days or news coming out from like, for instance, I saw, I saw an Instagram post the other day and it was just like on some random meme page. And it was what the caption said, it was a group of people, what looked like breaking into a government building. And the caption was like, they just stormed the white house. And I was like, Whoa, this is crazy. So I like did a little like fact checking researches. Like, no, it was the, the Ohio state house, very different situation. And I think people just need to really be wary of presenting stuff as news. Um, I think there's, a there's, there are outlets out there that have been working in this field for a really long time. And, are trusted news sources and the more sort of, you know, like random photography coming from like all over the, the corner, it's, it's hard to know what to believe. So, you know, it's, I think it's great that people are going out and documenting that. Um, I think it's good to also like contextualize, like if you have, if you have a bias or if you're on an, another side, you know, sort of like state that or being like, Hey, these, or, or just be like, Hey, this is like what I saw, but, I think it's it's a slippery slope when you know these sort of citizen journalists come out and start being like this is news it's like is, is this stuff fact checked like did you diligently report this stuff like what what's your training in 
in journalism, you know, because there's, it's not just as simple as just like being there with a the camera, you know, there's like a lot more that goes into it well, than that's just, what's you know, about, shooting that's the, photo, what's crazy like about the stuff we discussed. That, um, can you hear I me? think when, Oops. sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, that's what's so crazy about the power of social media. Now even go back to the Ferguson riots and all the things that happened. Then social media has changed so quickly where shit spreads like a wildfire. Like everyone saw that video of the white house, being stormed and, and immediately like, holy shit. And then you, as soon as you realize that this, there's no way that's possible and you look into it, you realize it's fake, but social media yeah. has power to send out content and the way people are just grabbing shit off assumption that it's real and then turning that into headline content happened so quick. I, I literally just last night I saw yeah. like KTLA posted something and it was, I don't remember, I don't even remember what the tweet was, but they literally wrote the headline that it was like, this person did this. And then they followed it up with another tweet, like, never mind, they didn't do that. It was just a post, like they said that someone uh, spray painted Black Lives Matter all over a car. And then they followed up that tweet with like, never mind, it was a poster board that was on top of the car that said Black Lives Matter. So they just said that they were wrong, but they didn't remove the tweet. So the headline's still there. So when you read it, you, you, people will literally just take that and walk away and assume that is real and now judge people. Those those protesters are, are writing and spray paint on people's vehicles. Like that's fucking crazy. And that's, that's that's what I, I was just talking about. Talk to you, talking to you about this earlier because it is important. Like I'm me, I'm a person that I'm uh, my natural, and I feel like this is what you learn in, in in science or any any type of academia. Academia, it's like you're you're taught to be skeptical mm. at first without being presented further information to prove what you're what you're saying. So if you come up to me and you say, if you say you know broccoli has more protein than ch- chicken or some sh- stupid shit like that, right. I'm gonna be like, really. Hmm. Hmm. Let me. Right, where like where did you like where did you get that from? Mm-hmm. How did you know that? And then I would go research for, my, for myself before I form an opinion. I think here now it's like definitely it's just information, information. Like oh, this happened. This is what they're doing. And it's honestly it is that simple at times. Like what's crazy about social media at this time is that you're able to people are able to get their phones out and actively like document something that's happening that would no nobody would nobody would know about right. unless you could. But right. but get, getting but what, back getting back yeah. to the issue. Uh, I think where we went to was the idea of, okay, so not everyone's a photojournalist, right? People go out with their camera and they just want to capture. They just want to go out. They're trying to experience and they're a photographer. Their hobby is capturing images. And the same thing like with Ben takes out a camera is our, our hobby is to capture what's happening and try to like capture that emotion. And maybe mm-hmm. you aren't mm-hmm. beholden to any photojournalistic ethical code, but what you f- started off at the beginning saying was like, sure. I do think it's important okay. to yeah. have, it is important to have an intention and have a true intention. Because I think what I was telling, what I've been telling Ben before is I haven't taken a camera out personally because I feel like there's a line between going out and documenting and being an opportunist. And I feel like that line has become an easier line to, to uh, delineate over the past couple of days because at the beginning it was like, oh, I'm gonna take a camera out and go sh- take f- uh, photos of cars on fire or buildings on fire or whatever. And lately it's been more peaceful protesting. So you're seeing a lot more like, you know, emotional images of people with their hands up or people kneeling or praying or, or, or whatever it is. Um, but it is important to like go out there and like understand that. Cause are you going out there just to get an Instagram shot to like, just add to the, to the noise of social media? Or are you going out there to like tell a story because you can take, 20, 15 images, 10 images and post them and, and, and actually tell a story of the protest that you were at. Like if you're at a peaceful protest and you want to show, tell that story, there's way, like you can, you can 
tell that story over the course of multiple images. But if you're just going out there like, I'm just trying to get the illest shot of wherever just because, then that's when you might probably want to take a step back and, and look at why you are out there taking photos. Do you right, agree? But, yeah, but what are you, what are you, is there a question well, because this? Ba- basically, okay, so bas- what I'm saying from that is, okay, so you don't have to follow eth- ethical code necessarily. You can edit your images or whatever, but you have to be careful. I think understanding that the, the photojournalistic side is something to keep in mind when you're creating that intention. Well, to me, like, to me, my experience, and I want to, because me and Andrew were talking about this earlier, and I, I would love for you to go into this farther. Cool. I take my camera. I like to have my camera with me at all times. Just I've been saying this last month because we've been digging through all my old footage and I have archived. My entire life has been documented in some sort of fashion, whether it was with my phone or real camera. My dad filming me when I was a kid. I've always filmed this shit. So to me, wanting to go and experience this shit, I can only sit in my living room and understand what is truly happening on the streets from the news as far as as that will be presented to me to go out into the street and be a part of it, to go out in the street and chant with these people for justice, et cetera, is a different feeling going out with my camera, being able to document the shit, whether I put it in my, my uh, hard drive and print that shit for f- the future or 40 years from now, I can show my kids like, look where I was here during this time. And this is what was, what it looked like for me to see that as a different experience. When you talk about it, it was like, um, we brought up the idea of when is it okay if you do share these images out? Because at a certain point people will talk about doing your part in this shit, whether it's donating, whether it's calling in and talking to political leaders, whether it's going out and marching and, and standing up for justice, et cetera. There's so many things that people can do. Some people have turned around and said, Um, I don't have money to donate. I've called people. I want to go out into the streets and I want to share what's happening in my community to make awareness that this exists, that people are standing up for this and that there, there are some people out there that are moving around this topic in a bad fashion. Therefore, we still have racist police potentially. Therefore, we still have uh, race, racial, uh, racist leaders, etc. So we're standing up for this and we're documenting this in our way, our best way possible using our platform to share this out. Now, when people, I've seen people pulling their photos down because they're getting criticized by other photographers uh, for not having put a fucking sensor across their eyes. So if, is it okay for you to, and this is a question that we just all have to ask ourselves. It's like, when, when do you decide it's okay? Especially like your case is different as a photojournalist because you don't alter your photos. Sorry, I'm pointing mm-hmm. at my computer because you're on both sides, but you're over here for YouTube. Sorry, <laughs> audience. Okay. Um, you you know that's your stance. And then when I'm going and if there has I'm not sending these to a magazine. I have no intentions of it. Honestly, it's just for me. When I go and I'm sharing, if it's a peaceful protest to me, there's like man, nothing illegal is happening here. No one's standing on top of a burning car. No one just ripped apart a building, etc. Those people I I just photographed. It's the street. This is the public. This is what's happening. This is no different than me going to a parade and documenting the same thing. But. If you turn around five days ago, six days ago, people are looting, et cetera, and you're sharing those people, in that case, to me, in that case, I would have gone above and beyond to try to hide the, the, the um, identification of who these people are. Do you feel like that's fair in those cases for people who are street photographers and maybe taking that action just to try to help the protesters? I mean, first and foremost, like if you are going out protesting and you don't want to be photographed looting you probably shouldn't be out looting like that's the simplest kind of thing i'd say right. um as he come on is doing that um can you say can you say the last line again it was, it was st- cutting st- out start over i think it's out. up to fuck sorry you cutting out no, yeah sorry i was sorry, cutting let out. me uh, move over no, i might good. be in a weird spot 
internet out there in the Smoky Mountains, man. <laughs> just going against yeah. us. Not great. Not great out here. No, you're All great. Right. Say, um, say, say what you're saying again. What, what did you hear last we, time? We heard you say if you were to go out and loot and you don't want to be on camera, you probably shouldn't do that shit. Yeah, like if you're worried about being photographed looting a store, like you might want to question why you don't want to be photographed looting a store. Like maybe you shouldn't be out doing that. Not my judgment call. Um, I've seen plenty of photos in on you know newspapers and publications I've been following showing that, and you know that's that's part of the story. And so, you know, if I think as a protester, you also have to do your due diligence. And if you don't want to be seen doing these certain things, you have to hide your identity, wear a mask. We're living in a pandemic. There's no reason not to be wearing a face covering at this time. Um, so, you know, as non-journalists photo- photographing like you guys can kind of do whatever you want like that's the beauty of it um i would say maybe more like i i, I would see that work more presented as art if anything um art has fewer boundaries but i feel like as long as people aren't trying to present what they're photographing on these scenes as like hard journalism like that's right. okay right. um you know i think you have more leeway if, you know if there's activist art you know and that's like a totally totally okay form of form of expression especially in these times you know like people people have every right to go out and photograph these things um i'd say for safety's sake though as someone shooting this like you want to be careful shooting those those sort of situations because like journalists photographers people kind of on all sides are being targeted because they don't want their identities being um being out there like don't blame them you know if you're like robbing a store you don't want security camera footage of yourself so why would you want someone taking your picture so right. i think people working in those sort of more dangerous high intensity situations you just have to be kind of careful of your surroundings and you know it's like i've i've heard several reports of people having their gear stolen um and there's you know there's kind of like crazy people both on the police end also on the activist end you know there's these sort of antifa anarchist kind of figures who are just there to like stir chaos and just like break shit and uh, i saw a couple of videos from minneapolis of this like antifa guy with a crowbar just coming smacking some guy's camera just because he could and because he didn't want record of what was happening going on so that's another sort of form of censorship even how cops are targeting like i'm sure you saw the cnn clip um i forgot the journalist name but they arrested a whole tv crew while they were you know they're in a public public arena that every right to be there reporting and that's like first amendment like a clear first amendment violation but you know that's censorship right um, and you you were talking about also, hong kong too could you go like because even from if you're thinking from the protester side of things how far they've gone above and beyond to avoid you know being identified in those protests what, in hong kong yeah hong kong yeah yeah like the hong kong protest like they've been doing these protests for months now and they've come up with really kind of ingenious ways to hide their identities um create supply chains sort of using these like assembly line fashions i i forgot the quote is but they move like water so by the time they've protested and moved to one area by the time the cops get there they're somewhere else but they've sort of enacted you know they're they've developed certain techniques of like painting their faces that can fool the full facial recognition software on cameras um they're they'll wear different shaped clothing that that would fit someone else because they're identifying people by the shape of shapes of their bodies so 
you know, if, if you're a hardcore protester out there and that's what you want to continue doing, like, just know, like people are going to be documenting it and they have every right to be, because this is, this is news. This is history happening in front of us. So hmm. if you're on that end of, of if that's your role, like you just, you need to be careful and because no news source is going to censor a photo. Like that's just the fact of the matter. You, you know, people on Instagram might, and like, that's fine. Like, but you know, non-journalists or journalists aren't going to be be doing that just for you know those sort of ethical right. reasons we discussed. That, that's great. That's great insight, bro. I think. I mean, I don't think we've even discussed the source of this because I think we were talking about before uh, you hopped on or before we started recording. But you know, mm-hmm. the I feel like the the way that this the the common like advice that photographers have been sharing between each other has come from just like a, a through the grapevine social media effect where you know one person told a photographer hey please take these down because um, in past riots like organizers have been found dead um, because they were targeted through images right so then one person takes it down mm-hmm. and it's like oh I would never want that to happen they take theirs down they, they put something a blur over their photos and then another photographer does it and that and sees that photographer post so then they oh i should probably blur the eyes of my photos or if they don't then someone comments and says you know do that and then it spreads for so far and that's what discussion's been happening in the group is that whole question so what that comes down to essentially is i mean we're learning from you that this is not what news sources do learning from you that that's not what photo journalists do we're learning from you that it's also the responsibility of the person in the photo to cover them their selves and their identity um I'm not necessarily sure if any of us are, are truly aware of like the merit of like that advice of, of protecting their identities because their lives are in danger. Um, well, and also just the FBI posted out in their Facebook, like an official Facebook post seeking media that could potentially show those who are looting and creating damage in the city so that they can be caught. Like they're allowing yeah. people. So imagine Imagine in the case, and now I find it hard that someone would look at my images that I just posted on Twitter, which is just people putting their fist up and sitting in like a group setting. Mm-hmm. No one's going to be submitting those photos because nothing's happening there. Right. But if you have an image that you've taken and you posted clearly because you just, it's an amazing image, of course, fire and all this shit adds value to it. I have some great photos of uh, uh, buildings burning. It's the saddest scene. Mm-hmm firefighters fighting to put it out but i also don't i don't have the footage or photos of it happening or starting or anyone that would be tied to that right so therefore when i share that image there's nothing to be afraid of but if you have one of someone standing there they got their fist up in the air they're, they're clearly like a part of who started that shit who's to say your weird aunt or whatever sees your post on your social media screenshots that and submits it to the fbi like this is the fucking guy that did it my grandson shot this shit, you know what I mean? And I know for a fact he was there and he saw whatever it is and that could get that person caught. And I think that that's what a lot of people are starting to share is that that's the fear. So that's where they're asking people to censor. So I, I feel like what I'm taking away from all this is that really you need to just, it's it's case by case and you need to understand when it's right and right to share it without and when it is. Cause I mean, I don't know, dude, it's such a weird topic, bro. Cause no matter what, it comes down to like, I could censor all day long and Andrew could go out and shoot and put it on the cover of a major news source and we could have shot the same thing. I censored it, you didn't, and therefore that person now is like killed three months later or 
we both do our part. It doesn't matter. And the live news caught the whole shit from a helicopter a mile away. And it doesn't matter because that person has been identified. Like it's damn near impossible. If people want to figure out who people are that do shit, there's ways to do it. We right. watch it on the I news mean, right now. I mean, I, I still don't think I still want to be cautious and explain that it's not. I think I don't know where that grapevine advice came from necessarily. Did it come from a legitimate news source? Did it come from a legitimate protest organizer? Advice for what? Censoring people's photos because they might be targeted. That's, oh, right, that's, right. that's an advice that we don't like when we talked about well, earlier that was the end. in Ferguson there there were photos of certain protesters months went by and things happened to them so you know it is a real it is a real thing right. but that's all um, that's as far as I've heard it really it's people saying like, yeah. like it goes back to Dave saying like okay cool but I want to like dig into it a little bit right, more but, I mean, it, yeah, the yeah, point yeah. is There's it, 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 did, it did happen that needs to be right. done on that right. um, but so also a, like you know outside of you know photographer shooting it like there's cameras everywhere i know like there's traffic cameras there's just there's cameras like every security cameras and all of them are getting more high def high def every every season so it's like those are the ones you also have to sort of be 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 aware of because when this is all through and through like you know the authorities are going to scrub every single camera and try to piece piece who started the fire who threw the first brick and they're going to come after these people so you know it's not necessarily like the photojournalist who's going to out you it could be the traffic camera mm. no for sure uh, i think well in, in ferguson you know i want to do my research i don't even want to talk about, I, I never like to talk something i haven't fully researched myself but sure. you know i don't know if it's law enforcement that caused those disappearings or murders or whatever or was it a, like is it a white supremacist group that looks at photos and finds it but you're right there's cameras everywhere so if it's your if it's not your photo it's someone else's i think anyone who it really does come down to if you if you if the person is in the protest and doesn't want to be identified, then they would make it so they weren't identifiable. Also, um, if you're a protester and you see someone shooting, you can also walk up to them and be like, "Hey, I'm like really not comfortable having my face shown. Is there any way you could not include my picture or right. not include my face in in these pictures?" And you know, like most times, if the photographer is operating under like respectful ethics, and you know, they won't they won't use it um and there's also ways of photographing these things where you're not showing people's faces you're showing hands you're showing you're shooting the back of people you're kind of making more nuanced images that aren't just so straightforward like man man holding molotov cocktail you know it's there's there's ways you can frame things there's you can shoot through things like there's a lot of different tricks to sort of obscure obscure faces and bodies and right right and that, you know, and that, that in itself is kind of art you know like the art it's an artistic absolutely. way of depicting you know because of course everyone wants to it, for the the average photographer might go out there and it's like they're looking for the first person with their you know their 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 fist up standing on a car or something which is obviously awesome we saw plenty of them mm-hmm. but there's so many other ways of of like telling of like invoking emotion or telling the story of the message uh, through your photos of a protest that don't necessarily involve something like that or something so chaotic or something so violent as a, a mm-hmm. cop with a gun or, or whatever that also are ways of like sh- showing art through, prote- through protest photos right. and Absolutely. don't put people in danger also. This is I think people mentioned. going out there should and who are wanting to like, you know, shoot a body of work. I hate calling it that because, you know, it's these are people's lives. But, you know, kind of challenge yourself to photograph it in a unique perspective and you know if 
if censorship and showing people's faces is an issue, like try to go out and make pictures. Don't show anyone's face, you know, like that's, it's totally, you can totally show the scene and the chaos and the violence of it without outing people. I think there are definitely ways of doing that. Something Um, else that's just sort of reiterate that point. Yeah, of course. Something else that I think is interesting too right now. And we can kind of end on this is like, we're in a situation where the rioting, the marching, the looting is happening all over the U S you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. when I know people had, had, uh, protested and whatnot during past incidents similar to this, but I don't think I've ever seen it happen at such a large scale around the world. I mean, people are literally doing this shit in London and New Zealand, et cetera. So people are getting an opportunity to shoot something so rare that they would never have access to. They couldn't have afforded to fly to, um, to, uh, uh, Missouri Ferguson, People couldn't sure. like people didn't afford to. A lot of people got to go and capture that and document that, but a lot of people, there's no way that they would ever be able to get into a place where something so different is happening there. So now they have a taste of it, right? So for you, what would you suggest to people who are maybe this was has sparked an interest in photojournalism that they could start practicing it and try to potentially work in this lane in the future? I know they may have got a chance I mean, to do it once, but yeah, I think it is you know sort of good sort of training ground, if anything, to get into it. Um, I think, you know, the sort of essence of photojournalism is obvious like truth, but, you know, it's about stories about people. And, you know, I think people who are shooting this should challenge themselves to dig a little deeper into like what they're shooting. You know, it's, I feel like the low hanging fruit in a protest is like the dude jumping on a car that's on fire. Like that's the, that's the obvious shot to take. as you know, like, and I'm just sort of talking in regards to shooting protests, but uh, educate yourself, um, teacher, do research on what, what photojournalism has been done in the past. Um, you know, sort of educate yourself, educate yourself on, on history of, if you, if you're interested in shooting things in the U S like read a book on the U S on U S history. And then, find photo projects that have been done. You know, there's amazing photo projects on the civil rights. Like if late, there's just so many different avenues of yeah. photojournalism. I think, um, I think something that always strikes me with your work, just to like play off this topic to end is like you, like then image from you oftentimes like is always so much more than the image. Like the way that you're shoot, the way that you shoot it isn't always, isn't surface level necessarily. And the way that you play with focus or the way, or the way that you'll frame like a, a, a subject out of focus and you're showing what's behind them. Or like my, one of my favorites, uh, if, if you guys that are listening, take a, take a look at his Instagram and go to even to like to the, he went to shoot Pharrell, a Pharrell festival. And the way you shoot music is through like, it, it is through like a, a, a different lens because you're trying to tell more, like the photo needs to mean more than just what it is. And I feel like that's kind of what the essence of the fertile journalism is, is like someone who's really going out. If you see some amazing work of people going out to these protests, it's like the images are deeper than just taking a photo of someone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's like, there's layers to it and, and you can mm-hmm. tell that and you, you know, you can tell that because when you look at the image, it strikes you and you kind of stare at it and you're kind of yeah. observing it. And it, it, and when you put multiple images together, that tells a story. And that's kind of what's amazing about that line of work, in my opinion. Yeah, um, of course. And you're also, bro, like, I think that there's so much to learn 
immediately when I walked in the first night to start documenting this, I was with JR, my homie JR Strickland, and we were just kind of walking around. And I was like, oh, this is a whole nother game of being able to capture this. Something's happening, you want to capture it right of the way, and you got your eye and your camera. You could get hit by a fucking car. You know what I mean? As simple as that. Or if you're in the shit, I'm watching these photographers work in a, in a, in a unit. Like all the, all the media is kind of moving around with each other, but they have specific supplies to help get them through this because they're kind of seasoned at this. They're going to all of these all over the world, and that's their job. So I, think, I feel like there's so much to learn. You can't just walk into a spot, and I just caution everyone that is doing that right now because... No one wants anyone to get hurt, obviously, but there's there's so many layers to this shit that you know a lot of people are used to and a lot of people are brand new. So so enter it with precaution and um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like this is a good way to end it. I, we, no, I know I we can fun, talk had, on this forever. I had fun talk. This is a great com- great conversation. I yeah. think. Um, it's inter- it's interesting. I think and li- like you said, just to end on this note, I think what you what I want to end the quote with is uh, or this podcast with is you were saying like this is history unfolding. You know what I mean? Everyone has a right to capture it. If you're a photographer and you passionately want to go capture the energy that's in your city, feel free to do that and feel free to, um, you know, share those images. And I think like we talked about, if anything, this just gives you perspective on what kind of code of ethics or intentions you might want to think about, at least when you're sharing images, when you're taking photos, the types of images you're selecting, the types of photos you're chasing necessarily. But I mean we are artists and you know what I mean? If, if it's, I've even, I've loved, would have been wanting to go take photos, but, um, this conversation even makes me feel a little more comfortable about going out and doing that. Yeah, you should. I mean, you're a photographer, bro. That's at the end of the day, that's what you do. I would feel like I'm not doing my part, whether I post or don't post anything to social media to not capture this historic moment that we're all living through right now, because it will, I hope never fucking happen again. So in the case that this does not happen again, you, you, what happened if you, you were the one person that could have gone out that had a camera to capture some specific moment? What if that person didn't capture George Floyd getting choked to death? You know what I mean? Right. What if that, what, what that camera could have been not on 10 years ago, people wouldn't have had a camera on them like that. You know what I mean? There's no proof. You couldn't even record for like more than 30 seconds on right. those fucking old shitty phones or whatever those were. So there's like, also so much, like we talked about, there's so much meaning, like the photos mean more. If you if you t- if you do it right, like the photos during these things, they mean more because there's a hit, there's a you know there's centuries of history behind the photo you're taking. Mm-hmm. If you take it the right one, you know, and I that's, mean that's, that's a the meaningful sort of photo. What the the goal of this is to yeah. sort of it's not only to inform the public, which is you know the sort of primary goal of like a news source, but it's to you know change public opinion without you know presenting bias. You know, you're kind of the, the objective is to present you know this sort of here's what it looks like. Now you make up your mind of what's really happening and you know, it can affect who you vote for it affects what, what stores you shop at, you know, it can just your own personal politics. Absolutely. And, and another, uh, another thing, that. another thing, sorry, but that just made me think of it too is, um, is, I mean, I guess the, at the core thing of the core purpose that a journalist, a photojournalist at the core is it's showing, it's taking the, it's documenting so that people who weren't there can see what happened. You know what I mean? And that's important because the people who aren't in these protests need to see what happens right yeah. now. And that's important. So if you're a photographer and you can ac- you can accurately and like powerfully do that and share that with your community, the people that are maybe aren't joining a protest are sitting on the sidelines, aren't doing anything. And your image is powerful and shows them the type of hurt and the type of pain that people are going through in the streets and doing it peacefully. And that's a, that's a, that's a public service and that's something just, I think. Absolutely. So. Mm-hmm. That's, there's no harm in that. And right. you're educating because some people 
can look at a headline on CNN and be like, oh, that's what protesting is. And they've never gone. They've never walked. They've never heard people. What are they doing when they're there? <clears throat> they're terrorizing the city. Or you go and you hear um, a black young male spill his guts about how he's fearful in his shoes to walk outside every single day. And this is how important it is that we are all in arms together to walk and try to cheer for justice. That means diff- that hits different when you're fucking there and you hear that shit in real life. If you have a chance to film that on your phone and you can send that to your homie who is fucking maybe uh, less aware per se or, yeah. or a person that is trying to fight you on that and you say, listen to this shit. Listen to this because I don't know how to source this outside of I captured this. Here you go. Check this out. Hopefully this hits a little different for you when you see that shit. It's just, it's a moment to, to there's so many different levels to it. I, and we can no, obviously that, keep great, talking about it. That's a great it. place to end. That's a great um, place to end. Everyone needs to listen to our episode with Andrew. He was on the podcast. I think right when we fucking got this table. Yeah. No, no, uh, right no, we, uh, no, 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 no. There wasn't a decal. decal yet. There wasn't a decal yet, but you know, here we are on fucking Zoom, 3,000 miles away from each other or some shit chatting. Uh, so definitely listen to that. We'll put a link in the description. And uh, anything else you want to say, Brad? I mean, just stay safe out there, you know, make wise choices, tell people where you're going. You know, it's kind of scary time. A lot can happen. Um, yeah, just be safe. We appreciate it, dog. Uh, we'll touch base soon. Love you, homie. All right, guys. All Love right. you all too. Peace. Later, Take bro. care.